0: This is episode five of the Nesbepreneur podcast. Let's go.
1: You're listening to the Nesbepreneur podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry.
0: What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Thank you so much once again for joining us here on the Nesbipreneur podcast. I am, of course, your host, Nehemiah Mabry. And as always, I intend to inspire. Today, I really think we have another great episode for you, and I'm I'm excited about it because I am joined by Miss Stephanie Lampkin. Stephanie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks.
0: Great, great. Stephanie Lampkin is the founder and CEO of Blendor, a mobile job-matching app that facilitates diversity recruiting in tech companies by circumventing unconscious bias. Despite very humble beginnings... Stephanie first learned to code at 14 through bdpa by 15 she was a full stack web developer and by 16 a network admin Fast forward 17 years Stephanie has worked in tech for companies like Northrop Grumman, Microsoft, Lockheed Martin, Deloitte, and TripAdvisor But is now focused full-time on changing how people, organizations, and companies connect in a way that fosters diversity Stephanie graduated from Stanford University with a B.S. in Management, Science, and Engineering and MIT Sloan with an MBA. And Stephanie, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be very honest with you. I've been looking forward to this opportunity to talk with you. Um, great, great, yeah. as have I. <laughs> so I, I really admire, you know, you, you and what you've been doing and we crossed paths earlier this year. And so I'm so happy to have you here on the Net Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you. So not to waste any more time, just want to. Start off as we typically do and just ask you to share with us something random about yourself, kind of a random fact. Of course, we're going to get into uh, the tech side of things. But is there any fact that someone who knew, you know, your professional career side wouldn't expect to know about Stephanie?
1: Uh, Sure. So a random fun fact about me is I actually qualified for the Junior Olympics in downhill ski racing when I was 16. Wow! So I have had a secret—well, not so secret—but uh-huh. a lot of people don't know that I'm I'm really obsessed with skiing. Um, but it started pretty pretty early on. So
0: wow! Junior yeah. Olympics. So, <laughs> so that means you you are more than just a surface or a casual skier. Like you you could really hold a serious conversation about skiing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's in my DNA now, which is kind of crazy because you don't think of a. 411 black woman as mm-hmm. being an extreme skier but indeed i have traveled all over the world i've been skiing in switzerland austria
2: oh my of course,
1: all over canada chile south america so yeah i love it
0: dang that is that's impressive so where are you from <laughs> I mean, did you start doing that kind of at home in your neighborhood or like where are you from How no
1: i'm i was born in southeast dc like in okay. the hood wow. um <laughs> There's a there's an organization called the National Brotherhood of Skiers who has mm-hmm. they have a 501c3 which is actually focused on getting more African American youth um, introduced to skiing and in, in hopes of having our first big you know Olympian much like Venus and Serena have paved the way in tennis we've been mm-hmm. trying to do that for, for ski racing so wow yeah
0: wow so do you still ski come in your free time. Or when you do have I
1: do, I do. If anyone is listening, we, our Black Ski Summit is in Tahoe oh. this year, March 27th through, I'm sorry, February 27th through March 5th. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. Um, so yeah.
0: That is, that is awesome. Now, I hope someone listening would take that seriously because I know I have no business on the slopes because <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it in my life and I would probably look pretty bad if I tried to get out there with the pros.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes you just got to start, you know, from the beginning. There may be some four-year-olds in your, in your class, but, you know. <laughs> hey,
0: I will be right along with the four-year-olds, happily, <laughs> happily with my skill level. So that's pretty cool. That is that is pretty cool. And so uh, as I read in your bio, you started off um, at least undergrad at Stanford studying engineering, mm-hmm. science and engineering, management science and engineering particularly. Yep. Um, how did you get into that? Kind of what, what led you to, to study that, at least at the beginning of your academic career?
1: This is a great question. So going into Stanford, I thought I was going to be a computer science major. I took AP computer science and, you know, as a, as you already mentioned, had been coding for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got there, I decided I wanted a little bit more of an interdisciplinary education. So in addition to coding, so I still took a lot of CS courses, but m s n e in particular allowed me to quantitatively understand a lot of different engineering disciplines and how that relates to operations and business and organizations. Okay. Um, so it was really cool. I took, like, intro-level chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, um, biotech, um, material science, you know, so all the typical engineering stuff, but coupled that with um, a lot of organizational theory, sociology, psychology, mm. um learning about the fundamentals of innovation, like why, how and why amazing technologies are created.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was fortunate to have like the founders of Yahoo show up and, and teach wow. a class. Um, so, yeah, it was really exciting. And wow. actually, one of my classmates from MS&E 6 is Kevin Chistrom, the founder of Instagram. Oh, so, wow. Another wow. little fun fact. I yeah. remember taking final exams with that guy. <laughs> that is
0: that is awesome. That's awesome. And yeah. And certainly, you know, that was a very valuable education for what you're doing now. You know, not only having a technical background but the interdisciplinary, I guess, perspective on things.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So was that all, you know, by design when it came to your entrepreneur entrepreneurial uh aspirations or was that still just kind of getting the feel for what else was out there
1: 100% by design okay. um, so yeah MS&E at the time and I think still is is the closest thing that you can get to an entrepreneurship focused uh, major at Stanford mm-hmm. um, so my concentration was specifically called organizations technology and entrepreneurship
2: okay um,
1: so it was it was a great way for us to kind of bridge the our engineering expertise with a lot of uh, great business principles and, and innovation and creativity. So
0: yeah, man, man, now that's this this is very inspirational and impressive because you know you started coding at the age of 14, you got better and to full stack and, and real quick. I'm just going to ask you to define that for us because I know people are probably wondering what does it mean to be a a full stack uh, you know developer. What does that mean?
1: That's a good question. So we actually didn't call it that back then in the in the 90s. Um, but now, it, yeah, it pretty much defines anyone who can do front-end and back-end development, understanding, um, you know, just the basics of HTML, JavaScript, CSS, and how to create great user interfaces, but also someone who can dig into the server-side code, so understanding um, how to build database connections mm. and, and send ser- server requests and all the things that kind of, I call it like the engine, you know, the front end is the, the structure of the car and the back mm-hmm. end is the engine. So gotcha. um, if you can build the entire car, you're considered a full-stack web developer. <laughs>
0: gotcha, gotcha. So the stuff that users interact with as well as the stuff that we have no idea that's going on behind the scenes.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: Awesome. So, again, at an early age you are exposed to coding and to a lot of uh, tech, so to speak, but to whom do you owe kind of that that switch that said, you know i could actually create something on my own because i think a lot of times people have the potential but the exposure sometimes doesn't uh turn on that that switch for them until maybe mm-hmm. el- much later in their life so who who do we owe or tell us how you exactly came into this realization that hey i can go to school i can major into something that can actually set me up for a, a career in entrepreneurship
1: that's a good question so that definitely the, the person who kind of sparked the whole ideas around me getting in tech was my auntie. Um, my uh, my mother was actually homeless when she was pregnant with me. So we mm. moved in with my auntie, who at the time was enrolled in a computer science program at University of Maryland College Park okay. in 1984, right? So we have a black right. woman who's, you know, who's who's doing it, mm-hmm. you know, so she She was the first to really introduce me to you know to b d p a and coding and a lot of things like that, but even just you know just going to visit her, she always had really awesome top of the line gadgets and cool mm-hmm. stuff and all kind of computer peripheral devices and yeah. it was always just really cool to me um and you know yeah, early exposure to cell phones she had a she was the first person I knew who ever had a cell phone. Um back when no one really used it. She just left it in her car in case of emergencies. Um so yeah, I would have to say she was the first. Um and in terms of entrepreneurship, that was by far my mom. My mom is a one hundred percent hustler, A grade. <laughs> she has she has done everything from Mary Kay to Avon to Herbalife mm-hmm. to prepaid legal. I mean wow, she, wow. she is uh yeah, she's allergic to, to, to corporate America. So that definitely kind of laid the foundation for me to understand that, you know, there is more beyond, um, you know, just doing the traditional nine to five, and right. I, I definitely needed that exposure.
0: Right, right, right. That's that's great, and and I know we've had past guests that have said they've gotten it from their parents, and you know, that's just really. That's a phenomenal thing when we can just have that idea of saying, you know, we don't have to build someone else's dream. That, sure, it's okay to to go that route and there's nothing demeaning about it. But let us remember that we have the same potential as a lot of people who started these major companies. So that's phenomenal. And and that actually dovetails perfectly into the, uh, I guess, the The purpose for you starting your company, ben, Blendor, when it comes to mm-hmm. inclusion and diversity. And so kind of this next segment of the interview, what we like to do is start out with something that I'm, I know you've been doing quite a bit of lately, and that is uh, your elevator pitch for <laughs> Blendor. And so, of course, you know, this is a opportunity for you uh, to share very concise, concisely and, and very briefly, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and what your company is about. So... Thirty seconds or less, if you can, go ahead and give us your quick elevator pitch.
1: Sure. So Google currently employs about fifty-five thousand people worldwide, yet currently only have estimated sixteen African-American women in technical roles, and this is consistent all across tech because the claim is that it's a pipeline issue—just not enough qualified women and minorities who are who have engineering degrees. Well, I think this strongly fails to understand the bias that goes into recruiting practices, because ultimately there are plenty of roles in these companies that don't require an engineering degree, Um, and therefore a lot of people are not even being given opportunities to get in the door. So that's why I created Blendor, which, uh, as you stated, is a mobile job matching app. Um, We call it like the anti-tender and that a rec- it is mobile first a recruiter will see your profile but we hide your name and photo so you're only being judged based on how well you meet the requirements of the role so recruiter pass likes pass like similarly as a candidate you'll see jobs and swipe right swipe left whenever there's a match between candidate and recruiter each receive a push notification where they can then message each other to set up a phone screening interview or formal application and that's it
0: huge huge i say huge because you know, I think what you're doing, first of all, great pitch. <laughs> and hey. what, what you're doing is, is really, um, you, you're targeting something entrepreneurially, but you're also hitting on a, a issue that, you know, I know you could personally relate to, I could personally relate to, and that is just the underrepresentation of minorities and, and women and, and those of us who who uh, are in this space experience on a daily basis. And so mm-hmm. Blendor gives an opportunity to bypass which I know you've written a lot about on LinkedIn and things, and that is this unconscious bias that employers tend to have towards certain individuals. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Right. So
0: so could you and it's you know i
1: oh yeah. sorry, go no, I was go gonna ahead. say and, and a lot of studies have a lot of research has supported this. They've done, you know, the study where they send out identical resumes just with a, a name change and if it's a white male name, it could yield over 100% higher response rate. Another study have shown that a white male American name is equivalent to eight years of work experience wow. on a resume. Wow. So these sort of things are very real.
0: Wow, wow, wow. And, and it's, a, it's definitely real, and this is something that, um, again, a lot of us have experienced, but we didn't really have, you know, kind of the, the, the data to back it up, but now as we begin mm-hmm. to see you know diversity numbers being released from silicon valley we began to hear of a lot of blind studies as you just mentioned reveal we realized that you know this is definitely this is definitely an issue and so uh yeah this this app is is pretty pretty creative i must say so you know a lot of people are familiar with tinder and when it comes to uh dating but you're basically making it so that An employer doesn't know you know what the person looks like or their name but all they see is their qualifications correct
1: exactly exactly and we're doing a one-to-one comparison between your skills and your 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 history to the requirements of the job Mm. so we know that you're qualified and you know that you're qualified when you're viewing these jobs Um, but another good thing about what we're doing is the data we are really positioning ourselves as not just another job board or HR tool but a strong big data company Mm -hmm. because ultimately we can leverage the data to not only bring more transparency around the recruiting behaviors of a lot of companies, but also we want to create what I call the Netflix of career development, right? So using your activity on the app to say, oh, Nehemiah, we noticed you like these past 100 jobs, Mm -hmm. but you're missing this technology skill or this core competency. So here's a course that you can take a General Assembly or a Khan Academy online or here's maybe you should join Nesb,y or mm-hmm. maybe you should attend this conference or join this meetup group. These are all things that will better align you for the types of jobs we noticed that you liked on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of machine learning using your behavior um, for career development is also something that we want to introduce.
0: Right, right. Now, now this is, that's key because I think you're touching on something that, um, you know, I've talked with others about and that is, You know, having a plan and that you have a step that you're working on now, but you also are keeping the big picture in mind of how what you're working on now fits into kind of the long game and and the the big, the big carry audacious goal, as some people call it. And so that's that's great. I think data is definitely a way to go as we look at our increase and increasing capability to to handle big data. And as you have so many examples of that already in the marketplace, I think. Lindor definitely has a place when it comes to uh when it comes to to jobs and diverse diversity. So kudos on that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Thank so you. let's talk about uh your business model, you know, and that mm-hmm. of course is is a, is a kind of a fancy way of saying how do you make money or how do you plan to make mm-hmm. money? And so yep. uh, let's start out with just the app for now. I know that there's a lot of different directions you can go when it comes to the data aspect, but as it relates to your Blendor app, what is the business model business model you have in mind for that?
1: So the mobile app is actually completely free to use. We don't charge candidates at all. Okay. Um, but in addition to the mobile app, we have a SaaS tool, a web-based SaaS tool, where companies go in and they create profiles and they add jobs, and we provide them with a, a ton of great perks and benefits, everything from integration with their existing applicant tracking tools to like some Google Analytics, Capabilities and we subscription for that software, as well as a pay per job model that they already use with things like LinkedIn recruiter services mm-hmm. and, and many other online job boards. So we're we're strictly a B two B company um, right. in terms of our revenue model.
0: Right. So I hope our listeners are taking note of that. So the people uh, who use this app, who download this app. Are not going to be charged for this. Um, the business model is focused on the other businesses from Blendor and the companies that want to use this app, and so um, we're going to give you an opportunity to uh, find out more and stay in touch with the development and the soon release of Blendor, so you can definitely become a user. But uh, I think that's that's a great idea and a good example of a of a B two B business to business business model. So um, when was when was the moment where you you know, got to the point to where you said, "All right, this is this is a good idea." Tell us about kind of that because I'm looking at your bio, and you mm. worked at a number of tech companies, right? And knowing that yes. you wanted to be an entrepreneur, give us a story or take us to the moment where you realized or the light bulb went off that, "Hey, this is a particular niche or a particular market that I could I could could really make a dent in."
1: I think the real moment um, hit me. Um, I did a pitch competition here in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and it was well attended by a lot of tech companies in the industry, and I won, which was was great. But afterwards, a ton of execs from huge companies Mm -hmm. went to my landing page and reached out to me asking when, how soon they could be on the Blendor pilot. So literally within six months, I've been able to get 17 companies commit to being on our pilot. And we're talking everyone from Intel to Facebook, Twitter, Pandora, Airbnb, Microsoft, Dell. I mean, huge, huge brands. um, Because they all have very strong diversity goals, and they've been struggling the past year since this has been – considered top priority they haven't seen a lot of change
2: yeah.
1: um, and so I'm just being inundated with requests and even outside of tech I just got an email from someone from Capital One and Walmart this mm-hmm. week um, so I think for me that was the biggest validation is to have to get unsolicited emails mm. from executives at large companies who are like uh, yeah we need this and it's a little frightening too because it's you know I, I'm just a small team,
2: right. and
1: it's like, oh shoot! Like this is real. They're they're <laughs> expecting, yeah, a serious product very soon. Um, right. But that's great. That that really just drives me even more to make sure that we over deliver um, on on what we are are planning to build. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, and you've done a number. You know, I'm on your. Uh, one of your mailing lists is, and so I've been seeing as you've been doing a number of pitch competitions and you've also been going to a number mm-hmm. of conferences and, and so on, and so that definitely checks the box of validating your idea, you know, getting out there, talking yeah. to people, letting them hear what your idea is to find out if this is something that could definitely be be used in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The pitch competition competitions act as not only a great way to validate the idea, but great marketing tool and um the best non-dilutive financing that you can get a lot of these competitions come with a five thousand dollar ten thousand dollar or most recently i won twenty five thousand dollars uh award right so
2: that's
1: (laughs) thanks thanks but that's a great way to stay alive i mean that's that's really the only way i've been able to survive um without having any sort of angel funding up Mm -hmm. until recently was through my pitch competition winnings yeah um and a little bit of crowdfunding as well. But, yeah, it's been very helpful.
0: Yeah. So on the technical side of things, the actual getting the talent you need to make this possible, what was kind of the first step or, or want some of the first steps you did when it came to building your team and getting things, you know, moving from an idea to an actual uh, product that's being launched?
1: Well, on the technical side, I built it myself. I literally wow. sat in my mom's basement for three months and learned everything that I could about mm. the frameworks that I wanted to use, which I didn't know already. I just used online resources, YouTube and lynda.com and a bunch of others to learn it. And I built it. Um, and that got me to where I am today. And so about, about three months ago, I brought on um, an interim CTO. We're, we're still kind of in this dating phase but um, <laughs> but yeah so he's helping me kind of with the last mile of execution mm-hmm. but I think it helped for me to have something more than just wireframes or or a, you know a prototype like to have actually built a good portion of the product now i know that's not feasible for a Mm -hmm. lot of people to do but i highly recommend those that are interested in creating a tech-based company to learn the technology i mean no one gets into the home building or the home construction business Mm -hmm. not knowing anything about how to build a house so why would you build a tech company and not know how to code
2: Mm -hmm. i've
1: done it you know the outsourcing the oh i'm just going to find a a, a technical co-founder it's tough it's really really tough yeah. not impossible but tough i think oftentimes we just kind of need to get out of our own way and just sit down and learn to code yeah. if we, i mean i think most of us have had some sort of intro to cs in college it's really not that difficult to get back on the on the bike it they a lot of people want to make you think it's difficult so that they can continue to make 250 dollars an hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um but, yeah, I I highly recommend that, that strategy.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and as you mentioned, there's so many resources out there, YouTube, Linda, and, and you mm-hmm. were able mm-hmm. to buckle down and put in all of your own sweat equity up front so that, again, you didn't have someone overcharging you for something that yeah. you really could have done by yourself, so.
1: Yeah, I had to do it, and and again, this is someone speaking from experience. I mm-hmm. outsourced to India before. I used Elance before. Mm-hmm. I found the technical co-founder before. I have done all of those things. Don't make the same mistakes I did. <laughs> <laughs> Either start off with someone who's technical, um, or or learn to build it yourself.
2: Learn to build it,
1: and you don't have to build it. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think that's another problem a lot of us face. Um, is that, you know, this idea that it has to look like, you know, this polished end product that you see in app stores today. Yeah. Very few companies put anything out that's really polished. And there's a saying by some investor that if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product then you mm-hmm. waited too long to launch. Yeah. So Yeah. Know, just get
2: yeah. out
0: there and do it. Great. And you you're taking us right into our final segment and providing a lot of golden advice and we're gonna try to get more from you. But, uh, Stephanie, you're, you are over in Silicon Valley, what, what is considered by many the, the tech hub of the world. And so um, you being there and running, you know, Blendor and, you know, trying to raise money, could you give us kind of an idea of what a day in the life, ideally, or your your typical day would be structured like out there in San Francisco?
1: Mm, it, it varies significantly now yeah. that I, I just recently got accepted into an accelerator called Stanford StartX, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. Ooh, I heard
2: about um,
1: that. Yeah, they're yeah. great. They, um, they don't take any equity, and they just give you a lot of uh, awesome resources. Mm. So my day typically consists of emailing a ton of people, whether it be potential enterprise clients or PR people. Or awesome people like you who are part of different organizations varying mm-hmm. from, you know, National Black MBA to Society of Women Engineers, Women Who Code, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: maintaining those relationships takes a lot of time. Um, but I also code. I'm also helping us get this product released as soon as possible. So tweaking a lot of things um, in the UI, making sure that we're on track to get everything launched effectively. So I'll probably spend – I do that mostly at night. Mm-hmm. Um I also have a, a lot of meetings with um, different people that want to get involved, whether they be investors or potential team members. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of phone calls with those types of folks. Um, but i say, yeah, the majority of my day is spent managing potentially valuable relationships. Gotcha. And um, I'm, I'm trying to, to ramp up on tools like Salesforce and a few others that can make that a little bit more efficient. Right. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's at this stage where I, where I am, that's kind of where my focus is.
0: Reaching out, reaching out. And you've been doing some great marketing and, and that is a key uh, for those listening. You know, if you have a great idea, you know, it's not so, it's not necessarily building. They will come as, as I believe came from a popular movie, but, you need to build it and then you need to let them know about it and let people know about the value that you have to bring and then get to know them and know what they're interested in. And then at some point, these relationships that you've been sewing into will, will grow later down the road. Is, is that pretty much accurate, Seventy?
1: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I would put a lot more emphasis on the getting to know them mm-hmm. part. I think a lot of people create things that they think is really cool mm-hmm. and valuable and don't spend enough time getting to know their potential clients, like the people who are actually going to pay their bills. Right. Um, so as you said, you know, if you have an idea, get started, build it, and then go out of your way to talk to people. We oftentimes, when we have an idea, we're afraid someone's going to steal it. Correct. Or, you know, some bigger company is going to, you know, implement it. That If you walk around with that Idea is going to limit how much valuable feedback you can get from your potential customers because even Blendor seven months ago isn't what it is today, mm-hmm. and that came from just putting it out there, testing, getting feedback, um, with you know, without fear. And and now we potentially can have a really awesome product, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a staple question we ask a lot of guests is if we had a town machine right here, right now that we were going to hop on and go back in time to let's say roughly about a year or a few months right before you decided to you know make that entrepreneurial leap when you were still working for I believe you were working for Microsoft at one point yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with Microsoft yeah so if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice you've already had the idea of obviously you already know you want to start something on your own and you could give yourself just one quick piece of advice before we hop back in and came back to the future what would that piece of advice be
1: Mm. Um, so if I were at Microsoft again and thinking about making this leap, um, my advice would be to start with finding like-minded people. Okay. Um, okay. I think it's team building is, is a challenge. It's a challenge that I faced in my previous startup. It's a challenge that I'm facing now. Um, so if you have an idea, you know, talk amongst people that you respect mm-hmm. or that have ex- expertise in that space
2: mm-hmm.
1: and see what you can build together, um, because doing it alone is really tough. And doing it with people who aren't completely aligned with your vision and don't have the skill set that you need are even tougher. I mean, it can make or break you. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, before you take that leap, I'd say, you know, if not find someone else, have a really strong plan for how you're going to build your team. For sure.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Another specific question we have is uh, what book and or resource would you recommend for someone um, who's seeking to to handle or take their business to the next level that you have experience with that you think is really good, very useful?
1: Mm, Interesting. Well, my favorite just general business book is is just Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. I think Mm. he – Puts excellence in a context that just makes sense. You know, basically, like the the fundamental thing for me was that to become an expert in anything, it takes ten thousand hours, hmm. right? And we have this idea that people who are great were n- born so naturally. But I, if I think we ch- if if we change our mindsets that nothing replaces hard work, mm-hmm. um, you'll see a lot more people. You know, just with, with tenacity, cause, what the again I, I can't emphasize this enough. The blend door that you see today is not the blend door that existed nine months ago. Yeah. Um it took a lot of falling and getting back up. Um and just becoming completely immersed in this industry. I had no HR experience prior mm-hmm. but I seized every opportunity that I could to learn more about um, you know, the social science behind it and HR and and what's working, what's not working, etc. So um, Outliers for me is, is just is timeless and applicable to so many different things in business.
0: Great, great. Just real quick, this question just came to mind, and, and <laughs> this may or may not be left in the in the actual episode. But do you go to the entrepreneurial lecture series at Stanford?
1: No, I haven't since I was an undergrad. Oh, but I have okay. seen a couple videos online.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're talking to a, a East Coast. Uh, was it student that's literally on that roster every oh, single week like I listen to it nice. religiously and so um, I've, that's where I first heard about the book Outliers and I've I've nice. picked it up and, and, and looked at it a little bit and so yeah that's a great recommended book there and I hope that many who are listening will, will take some time to check out that book um, that 10,000 hour rule uh, put forth and submitted in that book is, is, is definitely something that um, I think has a lot of merit to it so Thanks a lot. Well, we come to the end of our interview, Stephanie. And so before we go, first, we're going to go ahead and and share with everybody how they can find out more about Blendor, how they could become an early user of Blendor, how they can keep in touch as far as the development is going with Blendor. And then after you share all of the contact information, um, if you could leave us with one of your favorite quotes, that would be good.
1: Hmm. All right, so to sign up for early access to our first public launch, please go to Blendor.com. You'll see a nice big red sign-up button and just add your email, hit send, and you will be the first to be notified of uh, where you can access the first version of the app. Also follow us on Twitter at Blendor and on Facebook. And so the quote is, people will forget what you said, People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel by Maya Angelou.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Stephanie. And everyone listening, you heard her. Go to blendor.com. That's B-L-E-N-D-O-O-R.com. And you can sign up, keep in touch with the progress of Blendor. And, hey, you or someone you know may even score that ideal Uh, job
2: absolutely
0: that's awesome so thanks so much for taking the time to uh share you know your journey and a lot of what you're doing stephanie here on the podcast you're very
2: welcome
0: so thankful and uh i look forward to to keeping in touch and and keeping abreast of how things go and we'll catch you later
1: thank you bye
0: hey just want to remind you all that you can check out the show notes from this episode at stemmedia.org and of course the show notes are just Uh, pretty much an outline of some of the high points that were mentioned during my interview with Stephanie. To get to that, all you have to do is go to stemmedia.org, click on podcast, and then you will find this episode right beneath it will be a link to the page that has the notes from our chat. All right. Catch you all later. Peace.
1: for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to come and join us again next time in the meantime please do us a couple of favors one subscribe to the podcast on itunes or any other platform you might find us on and two rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show and finally spread the word tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the
2: nesbepreneur podcast